Hello and welcome to Comic Book Fix, the new comics show from your friends on the Fix Podcast Network. I'm Sam and I'll be your host today. On today's show, we'll be discussing Episode 8 of WandaVision, Tom Taylor's Suicide Squad and Captain Marvel Issue 1. On this fine episode, I'm joined by Chris. Hello again. There's going to be a lot of Chris because we've got a, uh, two. We're going to record a second bonus episode for you today, which will probably already be out when you hear this. Yeah. And uh, next week we've got everyone coming back on to talk about the end of Wandavision. Yeah. So a lot of Chris content for all of those Chris fans out there. Yeah, all six of them. That's what I'm here for. Excellent. So, uh, should we just go straight into WandaVision? I watched it like an hour ago, so I'm very fresh. Yeah, I watched it when it when it dropped at four in the morning. <laughs> so I'm very, I'm 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 very curious about your your not four in the morning uh, take because I have a, I don't think a hot take, but I have a a take that we'll get to. I w- I want you to go first. Cool. Well, I was going to say, we can talk through a few of like the scenes, as it were. So they open up with uh, you know, where they left off in, the, in Agatha's basement. And uh, the, the, the kind of the concept of this episode is it's all flashbacks, um, which kind of explains what's going on with Wanda. The big kind of headline, I guess, is that Wanda has magic powers and has always had magic powers. Um, and I think that's the big thing to take away from the episode, uh, like at least. Um, well, do you know, actually, they start with Agatha, don't they? Yeah. They start with Agatha in Salem, Massachusetts in 1700s, 1600s. Is that the idea that it, that it was supposed to be set in Salem? Because it looks like it could have just been in. Yeah, there's a there's a subtitle that says Salem, Massachusetts, I'm sure. Oh, I, I again... Uh, f- Three, four in the morning. Totally hmm. uh, miss that. That's good to know. But yeah, I then I guess that totally makes sense. And they do some weird. These are like new visual effects. That look like they've never done anything like close to this before. Like this is different from Doctor Strange, like sort of wizard type stuff. So this is totally different from Defenders stuff and uh, Iron Fist stuff. And this is totally like distinct on its own which i thought was really interesting yeah um there's definitely something i mean the agatha in this scene uh it's it's hard to tell what's going on with agatha because she seems like she's being played as the villain in this show but also uh and obviously she kills her mother in the opening scene but kind of doesn't seem like she wants to initially uh, there's definitely something going on with her that I assume we'll get next week. The the kind of what's going on there, but the kind of the the upshot of the Agatha stuff is that she's like 400 years old or whatever, and uh, she kind of she looks like she's like absorbing the life force from these other witches that are around her in that opening scene, like absorbing their magic. Yeah, so like we we shoot straight from there back to the basement, as I was saying, and then there we're doing this kind of walk through Wanda's life, and you get like the opening scene, which is about the, when her parents died, which is referenced in Age of Ultron. Yeah, and her dad brings home a load of DVDs of the sitcoms that have been parodied in the previous episodes. So like Malcolm in the Middle, Dick Van Dyke Show, and um, like I Love Lucy. 
all the stuff that we've been seeing already. Bewitched is there as well. Um, and you see kind of uh, Agatha is saying like, oh, the reason you survived the Stark bomb wasn't because it was defective. It was because you used probability magic to change the probability of whether it would or wouldn't explode. Do you now buy that as like the... Uh- as them like trying to rewrite the explanation, or do you? Because I think that Agatha just thinks that that she that she is just wrong, and that she is interpreting Wanda as the Scarlet Witch because that's what she's been told, or, or that she has studied is that there is this like all powerful witch that is the Scarlet Witch, and so if Wanda is this powerful, then then she must be that, but. I don't know if I want them to do that, though, because I don't know. I'm up up in the air about it. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like writing mutants back in hmm. is so much more important than trying to be like, oh, well, she just had witch powers all along and the Infinity Stone just unlocked them. I don't know how I feel about that. My um my theory about it is that they are going to that, that Wanda is magic. But they're going to use her to bring the mutants back, or they bring mutants in by doing a reverse House of M. But that then there's some interesting stuff like how does that affect the other shows? Is Falcon and Winter Soldier set before WandaVision? I think it probably is, and if it is, or like at the same time, sort of thing. Because otherwise, why wouldn't um, Sam be helping? wanda out you know like he has to have something else more important to do because they you know they were on the avengers together for years they were friends so that means that everyone's busy they have to be doing something so i guess they're avenging somewhere and then loki looks like it's set in an alternate universe or in multiple alternate universes or timelines or what have you well loki i would buy just him being on a on a different planet or a different place in space like he just can't i mean he he could show up but like he, he doesn't have to because he could he could obviously be somewhere else hmm. right whereas i i think you're totally right i think that all of these shows leading into dr strange are happening somewhat concurrently and that like there's a possibility that everyone shows up in dr strange because that is sort of the new uh, anchor point for events after this. Yeah, at, at least as far as as we understand at, at this point. Yeah, I feel like um, there's definitely something going on with Doctor Strange. Like with the, I like it. I think it's pretty reasonable to think that he's going to be the cameo at the end of the show, or that there's something in that realm. Either it's going to be him, or it's going to be like a really big thing, like Hugh Jackman, maybe. I want it to be, to be him, but I don't. I don't think he would do it because he swore to God that he was done. But he's also sworn seven times that he was done. So who knows? I feel like I saw an interview where he was like, "This is it. This, I've decided this is my last time I'm playing Wolverine." However, if Marvel wants me in the MCU, I'll do it. So maybe we get a huge Atman cameo. Yeah. While he's still young and <laughs> young enough to do it again. I don't I I had I had more 
I don't want to say problems, but I had more problems with this episode mm. than any other episode so far. I call this the Uncle Ben episode, which is to say that really it was just watching tragedy. It was watching Uncle Ben dying for 40 minutes. And I I get that, like, to to tell a certain part of this story, you you needed to do that. In the beginning of the series, they show Wanda walking into the shield base and, like, she obviously, like, grabs Vision. Like, we don't need to see that, like, a second time. Like, the, yes, the conversation is important because it it shows you that she knew that I, I can never remember the shield or the sword guy's name. The, the bad guy. Haywood. Yeah, that he was bad the whole time, kind of. It was a fine episode, but it was like probably the worst one in the series. I I liked it, but because it's it gives us a few little tidbits and answers as to what's going on. Um, I like that. Um, so you know, you were saying that like, oh, she took Vision's body, but she didn't take Vision's body because Hayward has it. So she she creates a fake Vision in Westview. I totally forgot that the end credits bit. I thought they were making. That they that he had just made a new vision. I hadn't connected that that was the same. No, because she leaves without him. She's like crying, and she leaves. She's like, okay, I get it. He's dead. Right. It, and they 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 do have that scene of mm. her her just making him like it's all sort of coming. Yeah, I totally forgotten about that. I mean, obviously, that's skipping a little forward. So, like, um, we can talk about that in a couple of minutes. Um, like the next scene from the uh from the the bomb stuff is the hydra base where they experiment they're experimenting on her i think the most important thing from that scene is where she sees her future self when she sees the soul the soul stone comes out to her you see a shadow on the a shadow like coming towards her and the shadow has the points of her mask from the comics I totally, I totally missed that. I didn't even see that at all. Because it starts as, what do they call the, the Tesseract Zone? What are they? Well, the Scepter. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it starts off blue and turns to the, to the Soul Stone. And, and I thought, huh, that's interesting. But didn't even pick up on the shadow. Yeah, it, all, it always was the Soul Stone, I'm sure. No, not the Soul Stone, sorry. It's always been the Mind Stone, which is yellow. Right. Blue. The tesseract is the space stone, I think. But yeah, the the so Loki scepter was always the mind stone. But I think they realized way too late that they had two blue infinity stones, so they had to make the one in the scepter yellow in Age of Ultron. Right. So like they smash it open and it's got a yellow stone inside it. Okay. I see. Again, it's been like probably i would say three years since i like watched that movie enough to like pay attention to it so uh do you know i think that age of ultron as as, even though it's quite maligned by a lot of people i think it's pretty good and i think watching it again in 2021 with the hindsight of where they take a lot of those characters it actually holds up quite well um i haven't watched it since uh pre-end game when i watched all the most important movies in a row but i definitely i definitely probably will re-watch it next week in the run-up to the wandavision finale i'm, I'm 
pretty certain I'm going to watch the first eight episodes again as well. Just to get... Because really, honestly, this is a show that is is meant to be watched, I think, in one go. I think, like, if you haven't... If for some reason you're listening to this and you haven't watched... It screams to me a, sh- a show that is meant to be done in an afternoon hmm. type of, of thing. One of my friends has been saving it to binge watch. Um, he's not on social media, so no one's spoiling him on it, which is very good. But um, I do envy him for being able to just sit down and watch it all in one shot. Um, I couldn't do that. Like, it's not that I wouldn't do it. It's that I couldn't do it. I couldn't wait. Especially when it's been, God, almost two years without any MCU content. Yeah. I, I was desperate. But yeah, so I think the things that lean to me that leans me towards thinking that there's something magical going on with Wanda is the fact that she does do a spell in the, in that flashback, whether Agatha creates it or not, there's something going on there. And then when she sees her future self, possibly, or she sees like a vision of the Scarlet Witch coming towards her from the Mind Stone. uh, And then on top of that. uh, So yeah, like I think that's a really important scene. Um, and I would be interested to see if at the end of this show we're left with a Wanda in a more traditional costume. So like with the headpiece and with like a big cape instead of a coat. I'd be interested to see that. And like what does that mean at that point, right? Because like we know what that means, but like I would think that like there are some people who are just MCU people like my dad who has zero idea what that means, right? And I can tell him, oh, uh, Scarlet Witch is in the comics, the, the, the daughter of Magneto, and he can go, oh, okay, that makes sense because he's seen X-Men. Yeah. But there are a bunch of like 13 to 15-year-old kids <laughs> who m- maybe have never seen X-Men, yeah. don't, don't know about X-Men at all. Um. There's the somebody po- posited a theory on Twitter. I think it was um, Joshua Yale from uh, IGN who was like, "Oh, uh, maybe the what's going to happen in Doctor Strange is that there's going to be like a red event, which is a thing from New Event, a uh, New Avengers run that Pat and I both love, where um, two universes collide, and basically when two universes collide, one of them has to die." that's what someone's positing that that may be what's happening and it's caused by Wanda and that the other universe is the X-Men Fox universe and that what ends up happening is maybe they merge them and that brings mutants into our timeline. I don't know how realistic that is, but that's that's a theory that I've seen. It's just so it's it's just so interesting because like mutant is like so core to the vocabulary of the Marvel universe like the original, like, Bendis, uh, Miles Morales, like, that first issue, like, he thinks he's developed mutant powers because he's about that age. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm a mutant. And he's like, it takes him a while to figure out that he got bit by a spider. Mm. Right? And so it's really interesting, and I'm I'm so curious to see what they yeah. do. Or if they even answer the They're not... I don't think they're going to answer the question yeah. of where are mutants or do they exist? You know, I think it's going to take at least until after Dr. Strange to figure that out. Yeah. I'm wondering if you could do, 
if there's a montage you could do that's like newspaper headlines and a few historical moments from X-Men history being replayed and ju- just to be like, oh, this is X-Men are real, there's mutants. I don't know whether that would be a bad way to do it. Maybe you'd want to do it as like an MCU Disney Plus show, like a few like a few episodes that are like, these are mutants, mutants exist. Because they're about to launch Kamala this year and like the Inhumans show flopped and she's an Inhuman. Yeah, and the, and that's sort of the, the, not frustrating, but like honest thing about Inhumans is they're really just mutants again with just slightly different cosmic rays instead yeah. of like just natural mutation. Like um, Marvel went heavy on Inhumans when they didn't own X-Men. So for the X-Men movie rights, there's a a big chunk of time between like 2008 and like 2018 maybe where Marvel had no movie rights whatsoever for X-Men and they were just desperate to not lose any new characters. So like if new characters got created, they had to be in humans instead of X-Men, which is why Ms. Marvel is an inhuman and not a mutant. It's a lot of IP rights and business stuff getting in the way of creative stuff, honestly. But yeah, like I think the next scene is for me the best scene in the show this week, um, which is Vision and Wanda sat on her bed in the Avengers compound watching Markham in the middle. And uh, you get some like pretty good, pretty emotional acting from... Paul Bettany as a a robot without emotions, but talking about how he feels about that and how he feels very alone and how he's never really had anyone. And I think that Wanda not having anyone really brings them together. And like it's the scene that we've been missing this whole time, which is why Wanda and Vision fall in love. Because like in Civil War, there's something brewing between the two of them, but it's not, you don't get to see enough of it. It's a weird thing in the movies where it's it's not that you don't buy that they have an a, an affection for each other, but they're just sort of they're put together. It's almost like they're they're put together almost in a in a like strategic way because their powers work well together. Because he can like throw her and she can like then fly herself type of thing, like that sort of like fastball special. Yeah. The um, it feels to me a lot like somebody at Marvel said, "Well, we want these two together because they're together in the comics, and that made for good stories." And then uh, the Russo brothers were like, "Oh, we'll just say it happened off camera," and like that's fine. But that there's been so many hinted at relationships in the MCU that they never really take anywhere, or they don't. F- kind of fulfill like um agent 13 and steve rogers and all that sort of stuff it, it would have been nice to have seen the development like you see it with um hope van dyne and scott lang like you see their relationship you see the ups and downs but you don't see that with wanda and vision which is is a shame um but i think getting to see it here at least makes those films it makes me feel less bad about that what I felt was a very forced relationship in Infinity War. Right. And it's clear throughout this entire show that they 
clearly love working together. They have good natural chemistry together. And and when they're given an entire series to sort of run with that, that it yeah. naturally works out very well. And I think that they're miss- they, they were previously missing the scene that you get right up front in Superman and Lois that we'll talk about later where Clark meets Lois. Like they were just missing that spark, the scene where the spark hits off. Um, so it's nice to see it here in WandaVision. But this was also the time when Wanda kind of realizes what has been happening and like starts to piece everything together. And she goes into the sword. The next scene is her going into sword and she meets with Hayward and Hayward's like, hey, Vision's dead. He's down there. Go go hang out with him. And this is where you get the scene. He's basically telling her, like, oh, he's dead. He's he's an object. He's nothing. You can't have him. I love, hate, the, the like, smarmy line of, like, I'm just not going to let you take $3 billion of vibranium and put it in the ground. Like, oh, I just want to just super kick that guy into the glass window, watch him fall out the glass window. Yeah. Like, god dang. I just, oh, I hate him so much. Yeah. It's very smart. Because they show you that scene, and you're, you, we've seen in this previously from the security camera footage of Wanda smashing the window and going down to Vision, and then all the sword guys turning their guns on her. And then that clip cut. And then in the show, when they relive it, you can see that Hayward was like, put your guns down, let her talk to, let her say goodbye. And it's like, hmm. So why did he not show that earlier? And it's because he's trying to get all the sword guys who aren't on his side to be on his side of using Vision as a sentient weapon to take Wanda out, who's probably the threat to the Vision. And I th- I think that a lot of the show has been him trying to get her to charge stuff up with her uh, Mind Stone energy so that he can recharge the Vision and use it as a weapon. Yeah, that would that would make probably probably the most sense in terms of what they they were going to do and in, in terms of having him mm. get to that point right yeah and like you see in the post credit sequence for the show that he's got the rebuilt vision and he's charged him up with um an item that was recovered from the uh was recovered from Westview the drone so I assume in the finale, it's Wanda versus Vision, maybe with the Westview Vision helping out. So it'd be interesting to see. Do you think Agatha helps? I think so. I think in the end that we're going to see that Agatha is kind of shades of grey and that she's there to stop Wanda because she thinks Wanda is maybe too powerful and too dangerous. Um, but she's doing it in a way that is pretty evil or evil adjacent. And that the true villain is is going to be Hayward and his fake vision. But also, I really want to see what's going on with Pietro and Monica. We didn't get any Monica this week after the cliffhanger last week. Oh, right. I, again, totally, like, it's, it's one of those things if you don't put it on screen, I kind of forget about it. Like, mm, it wasn't in the previously on or anything, so interesting. It's also interesting that they, like, that, that they... They use the different actor, like, they just make it like, oh, it, w- it was just like conjure magic. It wasn't like, it wasn't his body. It, 
even though like she thought it was it wasn't ever really him yeah i think i need to rewatch that because i missed a couple of sections of that dialogue because um we were i was talking to my wife about what was going on so i don't know what she said about pietro like where she got him from how she made him that sort of stuff well she just she said like it was hard to use your brother's real body because it's full of holes and Mm. uh, that was like the line that she gave so what's um have we had your take yeah you said you had your hot take oh i just i meant the joke of this episode is that it's it's an uncle ben episode you just watch uncle ben die again and again uh you watch tragedy again and again and it's like I, I again like i get why we're doing it but it's like not it's not fun it's a sad episode yeah you, you can see that boat that wanda has lost a lot well she's lost everything and that vision never really had anything but wanda like the 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 basically final final shot as agatha is mo- is monologuing is agatha like almost like force strangling the two kids mm. that's just uncomfortable to look at you know oh we um i forgot to even mention that you see the beginning of the creation of westview and that the property in westview is one that vision bought for wanda and him to live in um was an empty lot and then on on top of that you see her recreating vision you see her creating the westview vision and the way that it's like the energy that's coming off her is red but when it goes into him it's yellow like the soul stone so I'm really interested to see not Soulstone, sorry, again, Mindstone. I'm super interested to see whether they dive deep into what's going on there. And I really hope that we get the vision back at the end of this series series. Like I want I don't want to lose Paul Bettany after seeing how great he is. Yeah, it it sucks that they couldn't even do a a thing like at, at the end of, of Endgame where you just have like Paul Bettany and like Scarlett jo- Johansson are like just like standing there, like maybe talking to each other, like, "Hey, we're both like stuck here and basically ghosts now. What, like, why did we do this? You know, like you you didn't even get that, and it's like it's unfair to Paul Bettany because like he's really good at this. Yeah, like give him stuff to do, please. If you watch the, um, I mean, this is interpretation possibly nothing else if you watch the loki trailer it looks like there's a shot set in the soul stone and nat is there so maybe we get that closure that we should have had in endgame for nat in loki i guess we'll find out God, i'm still i'm still so i would so much rather hawkeye be dead yeah than nat be dead but like i i, I don't know i think if hawkeye's tv show had been made already he would have died there because there's so much more you can do with Nat than with Hawkeye. Um, like Hawkeye is great sparingly used. Anyway, we, we can't talk too much about MCU mistakes. We'll be here all night. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so let's talk about other Marvel stuff, I guess, while we're on the, on the, on the tip as it were. So, um, you read Captain Marvel number one? Uh, yeah. This so, is by Kelly Thompson, who wrote the book we talked about last time. Yeah, so I I had asked her on Twitter, I'm like, hey, I'm caught up on, on Black Widow, or as caught up as I'm going to be until the trade com- comes out, because the trade comes out in like two weeks. Hmm. So I'm just going to get that and, and and be good. So I asked her, like, hey, what 
what should I look at? And she and she gave me some very nice uh, recommendations. But ultimately, uh, what I decided on was to just go to Captain Marvel. And I'm really glad I did because this first issue I think is is really strong. You get you get into it, um, and it sort of starts up like an old school Marvel team up. It's Carol Danvers and uh, Jessica Drew, mm. like together fight fighting this like giant squid monster space alien thing, and it's very cool and it's very you know like Jessica's like trying to do like the best she can and like. Carol's trying to like sort of just play cover for her and and like make sure she doesn't fall off the giant monster and all that sort of stuff and you get witty banter between the the two of them like I I shared a I shared a screenshot of a of dialogue they have together and it's Jessica going do you know what it's like when you tell people your your best friend is in space they they, they look at you like you have a a supermodel girlfriend in Canada if that's what like Kelly Thompson writing is, then I'm then this entire year of this podcast is just going to be me talking about Kelly Thompson books because I just I really love it. Yeah, I am. Um, I uh, have bookmarked on. I put on my wish list Star that she wrote because it's like a, a a one and done series. Um, I'm interested in reading that. I might bring that in a future week. Uh, I don't know if I've read this, I have to say. I did read a load of Captain Marvel running up to her movie coming out because I knew nothing about Carol. Um, when did this, when's this one released? So th- this was 2019. Let me let me look at the date of first uh, release. Uh, I, I wouldn't have read that one then. Uh, y- yeah, January of 19. So like the, the, the setup for this, she... She fights that giant monster and Tony Stark shows up and then like you have this big long sequence of like Tony and and Carol where Tony is basically at this point acting as like head of the Avengers like he's sort of the de facto boss at this point and he's like hey you went to space for like three months or whatever we're cool with that but like other people aren't cool with that. Like people want to know where you've been and like, you should talk to them about why you were in space and why you left earth because people really don't like it when you just leave earth. And she's kind of like, yeah, whatever. And then they, they go and they, they talk to a young Avenger whose name is hazmat. I don't know who that is. So uh, apparently it's someone from Avengers Academy. Not Young Avengers. Separate series, I guess. But she's like a young woman, and so they hit, hit it off, and the the rest of the issue is uh, kind of about them. And it's, you know, it's really cool. It's obviously the, the art is a little different. So I talked about how um, in Black Widow, it's really m- much more of like an action book where a, a lot of the like art time is spent on like these high fidelity like action shots right where this is much more of like what you think of when you think like traditional marvel comic it's just like really bright colors really defined faces which all look really nice and and clean and it's really like default marvel but it's still really good because it's it's just 
their house style and it, and it works really well. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm just having a look at a couple of the pages from it now. The first page is really good where it talks about like kind of her history. Yeah. Which I like. Um, do, does Tony talk at all about how uh, Carol killed him like two years ago? I Like three years ago? I don't like... I don't think that that comes up, but like that would make sense as to why like she hates him so much. Like, cause she really is just like annoyed at like literally everything this guy has to say. I think, um, I think that they talked about in Avengers that Carol, Tony is Carol's sponsor in uh, AA. I could be super wrong. And it's the other way around. I would, I would think it would be the other way around, but it could it could be I, I, either. I, I don't I don't know. I think Tony's been sober in canon for a really long time, and I don't think I don't know how how long Carol has been. I I will look that up one day. I do I like that a lot though, and I like what you're saying. It's kind of like Marvel House style, but like a lot of the time when I'm reading stuff and like a lot, uh, I I would rather that the the art be like that which is like fairly normal as it were like not not too exciting on either front than try and too much and fail or like not try hard enough and fail if that makes sense it's really difficult for me personally because i am such a i'm such a mark in that way of where if you just give me a, a comic book and i read it front to back I won't really think about like the art. Like if something is out of place, I won't really notice it until I like until somebody points something out, right? Because because I am just trying to take the book on its own merits and and really sort of always engage with it that way. So it's this type of st- style is uh much more like you almost like just don't notice it. Like you, you almost forget that like not every artist draws this way and that it's like other styles of art exist because like this type of like the, the character detail in the face is so presented to you that you just forget that like other comics don't do that or they do it in different ways where it's like the shape of the body or the, the colors or the backgrounds or something. Yeah. Um, I actually, I mean, I guess we can kind of segue here. I've been reading um, Suicide Squad by Tom Taylor from DC. The artist there is is a Bruno Redondo, and he's kind of really similar to the art that I'm seeing in this Captain Marvel book. I mean, I shared a panel with you guys earlier. Like, it's it's very pretty, you know? Like, really well, like, the characters are really nicely well-drawn, but Bruno's not really shooting for super super realism in the same in like a um, Brian Hitch or Alex Ross kind of way. It's kind of like this stylized character characters, and like it really really fits a lot of the characters in in the book. The, the concept for this new Suicide Squad is basically it's the old guys from Suicide Squad that you like, so Deadshot and Harley Quinn. But then they've also got this kind of new group of characters, so they 
meet this kind of new big group of characters um, who are like they're like terrorists from uh, a really small nation called um, I can't remember what the name of it is called. It was in they talked about it loads in this issue, but they're called the Revolutionaries, and Revolutionaries are basically like a group of uh, a group of new super terrorists who are trying to save their like small island nation. They've got really really cool designs. We got like um, there's a there's a a character who's non-binary called the Airy, and they're like just got giant blue wings. And um, there's a character called Osita who's just like absolutely jacked. Um, there's a really funny scene in um, one of the in one of the issues I read today where um, Osita um, basically squares off against Superman (laughs) and um, Harley's like, hey, I've had a lot of uh, challenging mental health times, but even I've never faced off with Superman. (laughs) That's a very very Harley Quinn line and I like it a lot. Tom Taylor is very funny. Um, He writes good, funny stuff. Um, he's been writing Deadshot really well in this book, which I appreciate because Deadshot's kind of one of the most interesting characters from uh, Suicide Squad, in my opinion. Um, I'm trying to think of what else he's written, actually. Generally, you mentioned like comedy there just a little bit. Is it is it is Suicide Squad supposed to be more like kind of a more campy? like less serious book or is it like is it like trying to be that like grim dark so the thing that you'll see is suicide squad uh comics i feel like have been very very heavily influenced by the suicide squad movie um like harley quinn has never wasn't really on the suicide squad until she was announced as being on it in the movie um yeah, you get a lot of classic Suicide Squad characters in the in the movie, like um, Deadshot and Amanda Waller and Captain Boomerang, but we don't see much. Um, you know, we don't see like Harley Quinn usually and stuff like that. Um, but since the kind of the the tongue in cheek tone that you got with Harley Quinn in the mostly the trailer for Suicide Squad. <laughs> Is I think yeah. what's inspired a lot of the comics. Um, Tom Taylor is the writer for Injustice: Gods Among Us. Oh, okay, okay. So that, th- yeah, that like when you when you say it like that, I get a I get a much better idea of like what the vibe is there because like Injustice is just it's very big in a way. The the Injustice comic is really really good. Um, like if you ever have time. It's completely standalone because it's all its own universe. So it's actually really worth reading. Um, and I think, I don't know whether it's him or somebody else who wrote this. No, it's someone else. I thought he might have written the Smallville comic. Um, there was a really good Smallville season 11 comic that was about Clark's first year as Superman. It was super great. So yeah, I, I would highly recommend um suicide squad um there were 
it looked like the sh- that it had been maybe cancelled. Um, but I'm, and that's what I had thought. But I'm not. I, it looks like I'm seeing that there are now new issues coming out. So that's exciting. That that's the way it worked with like Black Black Widow too. Like they took a gap month just to, I guess, get everything on track because everything is still kind of wonky and we're not really in a better place than we were a year ago, to be honest, in terms of like things actually working mechanically to like together. Hmm. So. Oh no, I've been massively wrong. It looks like they finished that series at issue 11. Oh, well then. So I should probably finish reading that because I'm at like issue nine. Yeah. It's a completed thing that you can, that's nice to, to know. Yeah. So yeah, it's a complete thing. I had very, very little knowledge of Suicide Squad, and I only read it because somebody, I can't remember where I saw it, like maybe in a tweet, like somebody shared a, a panel of it that I thought was really funny. There's a, there's a very funny series of interactions between Batman and the Suicide Squad in one of the issues. And so, yeah, it's totally worth reading. It's only, like I said, it's only 11 issues, so it's going to be like two trades. So easy to pick up. Is there anything else you, uh, you you've read that you wanted to plug, or anything you're thinking about reading? Uh, n- no, because uh, the rest of the stuff we'll get to in the in the other episode. Mm. So um, yeah, I think without further ado, let's close this one off, so we can start on the next episode. So if you read any of the comics we discussed, or you liked or disliked the show, and want to let us know about it, you can email us at comics at fix.space, or you can tweet at us at fixpodcasts. Please rate and review us on your podcast service of choice, as that helps more people find the show. Thanks again to Jeff Davis for our wonderful intro music, for editing the show, and thanks everyone for listening, and we'll be back next week with a special WandaVision finale episode, where we're going to have the entire team from comic book fix be back on to discuss the series as a whole 